All right, I just, I just got the thumbs up from Nate, so I think we're good. Hey, church, welcome to church this morning. Good morning, good morning. All right, I'm going to start a quick, quick prayer. Thank you, God, that we can come here this morning. We can praise you, and uh, thank you. Amen. All right, how about we stand up, or if you want to, you can sit down. It's your call. All right, I have some, I have one song. We haven't, we haven't sung in a, quite a while, I think, but... We'll see. You'll figure it out. You are matchless in grace and mercy. There is nowhere we can hide from your love. steadfast and never failing you are faithful all creation is enough who you are you're the healer of the sick and broken you're the comforter for every heart that mourns our king and our savior forever for eternity we will sing of all you've done for eternity we will sing of all you've done we sing God with us God for us nothing can come against no one stand between us God with us God for us nothing can come against no one can stand between us your heart compassion there is life there is healing in your love you're the father the son the holy spirit for eternity we will sing of all you've done we sing god with us god against no one stand between us God with us God for us nothing can come against no one can stand between us where there was death you brought life Lord courage when I was afraid you there with me you lifted me up you lifted me up where there was death you brought life Lord where there was fear you brought courage 
just sit and wait for all your goodness. Hope to feel your presence. I could just stay. I could just stay right where I am and hope to feel you. Hope to feel something again. Good morning, church. Welcome to those of you who are on Zoom. I think I saw seven people on Zoom, so I want to say hello to you and welcome those of you who are in person here, whether for the first time or you've been here quite a bit. So my name is Kate, and I'm here to lead testimony time. And this is just a a time where we just pause in service just to speak with our mouths of the good things that God has done 
And we started this practice in response to Revelation, a verse in there that says, we defeat the enemy by the blood of the lamb and by the testimony of the saints. And so it's nice to know in a world where we feel pretty powerless every time we turn on the news or read a headline, that um, we don't have to feel powerless in um, the fight against the enemy and the horrible things that happen in this world, that one of our ways we defeat that is by opening our mouths and thanking God for what he has done or testifying to his goodness, that that is one of our weapons that keeps us from feeling as powerless as sometimes we do. And so I was just thinking last night I couldn't fall asleep, and so I just started to pray for people, and I just started to go through a list in my head and um, I was reminded I have a good friend who prays for an hour and a half every day over the same list, and she adds to the list, and it's people and their needs. And she says she does it every day, and if she doesn't, she doesn't feel settled or connected or okay. And I remember thinking, my gosh, like, if I pray for five minutes, I feel like, yes, I did it, right? And, and just hearing her faithfulness and knowing that I'm on her list and that I'm on my mom's list, and then also I do devotions with Deb, and Deb has a list, and she is faithful every day in praying for those people. And so I was reflecting on that, and I was thankful that I'm on people's lists, and I'm thankful that there are people who have lists, and I want to be a person that has a list, um, that is faithful in praying for others. And so today I was just thankful for women who, to me, are saints and who are um, examples of who um, God has called us to, that connection to him through prayers for our people. Um, and in that first song, it said, like, God with us and God for us. And I was thinking, like, I know that God is for me because of people who will pray for me and people who, are, who lift me up when I need it. And so I'm just praising God for people of faith um, and prayer warriors out there. So is there anybody that has anything, it can be big or small, that would like to just thank God for something this week or this month that they've noticed? If not, I have someone in the audience I've already set up. Sina, do you want to go first? Sina was going to thank God for something. Um, I think God, I feel bad um, for my friend from Haiti that didn't, can't use her legs. She had to use her hands. And um, Zaina, what's her name? Do you remember her name? Should we pray for her? Or would you like the church to pray for your friend in Haiti? Okay, so Lord, we thank you for Sina and her heart for her friend in Haiti who couldn't use her legs. And God, we pray that you would be with her and help her, Lord. And we pray you would bring beautiful people around her that want to support her and help her. And we thank you for Sina's heart for her friend and that she still remembers her. And we know that you never forget anybody either, Lord. And so we thank you that Sina has a heart that looks like yours. Amen. Amen. Looks like Dan over here. 
Good morning, church. Uh, this may be the international testimony time with Haiti, and I was uh, just this week at the Baptist World Alliance meetings, which were held in Birmingham, Alabama, and um, and the last meal I had there was um, uh, a woman sat next to me, and she had been one of my students a few years ago in a training that I did, and she's from Turkey. Her name's uh, Hussein Christina, and um, she's, uh, I'm not sure how old she is, maybe 30, something like that, but she's a lawyer, and a lot of people, it's very difficult for Turkey, uh, and a lot of people have been trying to encourage her to leave, you know, that she's got lots of opportunities. And she, she just affirmed to me God's calling for her to stay where she is in Turkey. And it reminded me as we were singing of the song, she just came about, you know, not staying in the safe place, but being called higher and deeper, you know. And it's like this woman was living that out, and she just came to me, and I was singing with her in my heart. Um, second testimony, while we were there, uh, we went on a pilgrimage down to Montgomery, Alabama, went to the lynching museum. Uh, it's actually called the National Memorial for Peace and Justice. Uh, it opened a few years ago, and a guy named Brian Stevenson, who wrote an amazing book called Just Mercy that I'd read, uh, he spoke to us, and, um, and uh, at the end, he talked about his new thing, new, new thing that's bubbling in him, is that he feels that grace is on trial. He spent a lot of time defending uh, death row inmates and trying to find, uh, you know, they had an innocence project uh, to find people who had been unjustly convicted and so on. And uh, so he feels that our society, even in the Christian community, grace is on trial. We're not living with grace toward one another a lot. Instead, there's fear, hate, distrust. And so he was going to do something about grace being on trial. And uh, years and years ago, back in the 1980s, uh, Sojourners Magazine had letters from prisoners on death row that wanted pen pals. And Sharon uh, responded to one, a guy named Samson Armstrong, who was on death row in Florida, a young guy was involved in a murder, uh, and he ended up um, on death row. And he became a Christian in prison. And uh, as the pen pal relationships going back and forth, he started painting, and he sent us two of his paintings. And one of his paintings is of Jesus and the woman caught in adultery, the story in John 8, where Jesus, they, they were going to stone her. She was literally given a death sentence. And then Jesus said, whoever's without sin, cast the first stone. And the picture from Samson is of Jesus and the woman and stones left on the ground. Samson ended up uh, having uh, his sentence reduced, and he was later able to leave prison, but he had contracted cancer by that time, and he died uh, maybe in his 40s or something like that. But uh, we've got his painting. And, you know, someday we're going to downsize and, and trying to do things. And nobody would care for this painting particularly. And when Brian Stevenson said he was going to do something about defending grace, he talked about all the people that could speak to that, you know, preachers and theologians and all that. But he said the first people he was going to call to bear witness were going to be the convicted. 
And I thought, we have this testimony right here of somebody who's dead, and yet he can still speak through his painting about the power of grace. And so it's already packaged and mail, ready to mail. It's going to go in the mail this week so that grace can have a witness. Thank you, Dan. Awesome. Anybody else? Praise God. Thank you. Okay. Well, if there's not anybody else, uh, this is the time where we release the uh, children kindergarten through fifth grade to myself and to Amy. Amy's going to head back, and then I will join you guys. And I'm going to pass the mic to Jerry for announcements. Good morning, everyone. Like Kate said, my name is Jerry Gaskell, uh, and I have some announcements for you. I just want to welcome you to Genesis again. Thank you for joining us this morning here in person and online. Uh, please take a moment to let us know you're here by filling out the, either the digital connection card on our website or the green card that's in your pew there. Uh, if you're new to Genesis, you can text new to Genesis, all one word, to 94,000. You can place your physical green card in the brown box at the back of the sanctuary that way. This is also where you can place your offering if you brought it with you today. And just wanted to say thank you to everyone who continues to give both online or through text. Genesis is a place of belonging and we want to extend that belonging to others over the summer. So we'd is anyone willing to host a gathering this summer, maybe an evening in your backyard around the fire or a picnic lunch or summer games or some other creative thing that you love to do? If you would be, you can contact Pastor Nate, who's in the back over there, or talk to him after service um, to set a date. There is no gathering tonight, but on July 24th, we'll be gathering at the Torrento's house and on July 31st, Nate is hosting um, a gathering at the Ferndale Project. <laughs> um, Genesis is also looking for a youth ministry director to lead our middle and high school uh, kids. It's a part-time position with lots of flexibility. Is, it, is this something you or someone you know would be interested in? Stop by the garden desk for more information. Lastly, we are in need of a few summertime volunteers to help brew coffee on Sundays. With vacations and babies being born, we have some vacancies that are popping up. So if you're interested in that, you can put that on your green card and, uh, or also talk to someone that's on staff. You could talk to me too and I could connect you to someone. <laughs> All right, and lastly, uh, it's time to turn to your neighbor and say hello. Release for connection. Thank you.
All right, let's make our way back to our seats. We're starting a new series this week. It's called Fresh Bread. And it comes from the idea that we can't live on bread alone. And so fresh bread is a reference to what are we hearing from God right now? So what is, what is the fresh word that we're hearing from God? Because um, in that passage it says, but by the word of the Father. So we cannot live on bread alone, but by the word of the Father. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to have different people from our community sharing. Um, this is what they're currently hearing from God. It might be a thought that is not fully worked out. Um, it's not, this isn't going to be a sitcom scenario. So we may get, you know, 26 minutes into it and it may not have a resolution um, at the end. And so just be gracious with that. But also, while you're listening over these next few weeks, be listening for what God might be prompting you with um, as a fresh word. And so this morning, we have Bonnie Backing, who's going to be sharing with us. So Bonnie, if you want to come up. Daniel and Bonnie have been a part of Genesis for about 10 years. They have four kids, three are girls. Best of luck to you, Dan. What, are they, what age do they top out at right now? Seven. So four kids under seven, three are girls. Um, I've, I have two girls and a boy, and so um, I feel what your future is going to be like because mine are 17, 18, and 21. So they have been a part of our community as small group leaders. Um, Dan was a part of a discipleship group that I led. They've been a core family here that has reached out and served um, in their neighborhoods and in other opportunities in the church. And currently, Bonnie is serving as an elder here. So if you're wondering who, yeah, you, cheer for that. That's great. So welcome Bonnie as she comes to share with us her fresh bread. Hi, good morning. I'm Bonnie, and I'll be telling you about what God is teaching me right now. Uh, I want to start with a verse that was in my Bible app this week, and it kind of gave me some focus as I thought about this. Um, it's Psalm 105, 1. Give thanks to the Lord and proclaim his greatness. Let the whole world know what he has done. So I'm here to give thanks to him for what he has been feeding me proclaim his greatness, and let at least the people here know what he has done. Uh, when Bo called and asked if I would share as part of the Fresh Bread series, I said yes, uh, kind of in a heartbeat because I just felt like, oh wow, when I think about what God is teaching me right now, it felt like a whole bread store, which I guess is called a bakery. <laughs> but. Um, <laughs> I just felt like, wow, there, there's so much. I'll, I'll definitely, yes, I guess this feels like an invitation from him. Um, and then as I sat down and reflected and tried to put it in a cohesive form that I could share, it got much, much harder. And I think right now I feel short on time and energy and 
energy when I have time. <laughs> um, so although I had all this bread as I was thinking about it, I was like, I almost haven't had time to eat it and digest it yet. So the process of preparing for this actually helped me with that, and I'm kind of thankful. Um, as I was doing more preparing, I felt like God gave me a bunch of ways to think about these lessons as bread, these cute little bread metaphors. So I'll share a few just to start. And um, I'm quite a visual thinker. Sometimes when uh, I have a verse that God has kind of illuminated to me, I almost see it in a picture. And I'm not an artist, but I, I like draw it or something. So if some of these are visuals, that's kind of how I think. So the first thing I felt like was that God hasn't given me this tidy roll right, or this tidy loaf right now. Um, when I think of, like, when I say, give us this day our daily bread, I almost think of the picturesque little roll. Uh, I think right now what I have is more an assortment of rolls um, and then one huge loaf. So I'll tell you about four of the rolls and the huge loaf. Um, also, some of this bread, especially the first roll, is kind of a familiar recipe. I feel like God has fed me from this in the past, um, but I'm kind of being nourished by it in new ways or maybe noticing new flavor. So even though it's something he's been feeding me maybe since I was a child, it's still um, fresh to me. And also, uh, the, the last thing is just, like Nate said, this is ongoing. I'm definitely eating right now. This isn't a meal I'm describing that I've already eaten. It's something that I'm eating. So the first role, if you would, are like me and want to picture a piece of bread, um, what would be written on it is, you are loved. And I'm hearing, I made you exactly as you are on purpose. You give me delight. I see all the parts of you, even what you don't like. Uh, to kind of explain what I'm hearing with this, um, a few years ago I read a book called Abba's Child by Brendan Manning, and it was very life-changing for me. Um, but a difficult chapter was called The Imposter, and I think it was difficult because I couldn't quite unpack it, but there was part of it that really stayed with me, and I couldn't forget it. So I'll explain it, and I'm oversimplifying a little, I think, but um, to me as I read it, the imposter felt a little bit like my sin nature, or what I was raised to call my sin nature. Um, and what Brennan Manning was saying and presenting is that instead of being ashamed and ignoring the imposter or trying to suppress it, uh, Brennan Manning said that he's learned to bring the imposter to Jesus. So uh, prompted by God, I've been practicing this now for several months, and um, I think I've been learning, I've been feeling my imposter quite strongly, um, but I think it plays off of a lot of fears and insecurities that I have and a desire for approval. So agreeing to speak today got my imposter all ruffled, uh, thinking about like chances to be seen and applauded, and it was so distracting and discouraging and made me feel very ashamed because that was not why I agreed to do it, and it was not the purpose of any of this. And um, so when I bring my imposter to Jesus, I've been praying things like this. Jesus, you see this imposter, she loves to fantasize about all the nice things people could say about me. She tries to build up my confidence and self-esteem, but it's not real. What you say about me is real. 
You say, I am your beloved. My identity is in you. You made me in your image and are pleased with who I am. Here are a few other things that Brennan Manning wrote that still impact me when I read them. He said, the imposter must be called out of hiding, accepted and embraced. He is an integral part of my total self. Whatever is denied cannot be healed. To acknowledge humbly that I often inhabit an unreal world, that I am driven by vain ambition, is the first blow to dismantling my glittering image. The honesty and willingness to stare down the false self dynamites the steel trap door of self-deception. He also said, as we come to grips with our own selfishness and stupidity, we make friends with the imposter and accept that we are impoverished and broken and realize that if we were not, we would be God. And this is what Brendan Manning wrote to his own imposter. The bottom line, my pampered playmate, is that you are both needy and selfish. You need care, love, and a safe dwelling place. My gift is to take you where, unknowingly, you have longed to be, into the presence of Jesus. Naturally, you're not going to roll over suddenly and die. I know you will get disgruntled at times and start to act out. But the longer you spend in the presence of Jesus, the more accustomed you grow to his face, the less adulation you will need because you will have discovered for yourself that he is enough. And in the presence, you will delight in the discovery of what it means to live by grace and not by performance. So right now, I'm just feeling the invitation from him to just be in his presence and soak in his grace. The, this familiar little role called You Are Loved um, has another part that I'm going to share, of, and it's about learning who I am and who God made me to be. Uh, Daniel and my oldest daughter, Maggie, had some hard times at school this year, and a wise friend asked me if maybe she could be an HSP, and that stands for Highly Sensitive Person. And I hadn't heard of that, so I bought a book. And I, as I, I quickly realized, yes, she is, and I am too. And it was very encouraging. So um, being an HSP is a neutral trait. It's not a strength or a weakness, just a characteristic of um, this woman research said around 20% of people. And the package involves um, high sensitivity and awareness, basically just taking in a lot of information all the time. It could be uh, sensory, physical, or it could be intuition with people, but just taking in a lot of information. So I've known about myself my whole life that I can get easily overwhelmed. Um, and in the book she called it, um, scientifically, she said over aroused is more scientific in describing what's happening in your brain. Um, but it helped me so much to recognize and have affirmed that this isn't something that's wrong with me and that I shouldn't feel shame or guilt because I would respond to a certain level of stimuli with kind of shutting down. Um, the book explained that everyone has an optimal level of arousal between being too bored and being over aroused, and both can happen to anyone. Um, 
And for me and other HSPs, the line between the two can be kind of narrow. And the book also included many like helpful things on how to care for yourself so you don't reach that point. But um, this helps me understand stuff I've struggled with for years. Uh, this might be a good time to say, if I cry, I'm fine. <laughs> um, it happens. I'll just carry through, so don't worry about it. Um, stuff I've struggled with year for years, I've, um, I've wondered how God can use me uh, when I would shrink in fear from talking to my neighbors. And I think something in me accused me of um, disobeying him and nursing a hard heart or being stubborn about reaching out. Um, when we were forced to stay home and not see anyone, I almost felt a cloud lift because I realized I'd been putting so much pressure on myself to be a certain way that I thought God wanted me to be. Um, and in the book, she talks about, you know, being out, which would be like putting yourself in a situation to receive a lot of stimuli, as opposed to being in where you're quiet, more at, probably at home. And I think I had been pushing myself to be too out, not realizing what it was doing to me. Um, and then quarantining was all in. Um, so recently it's been helpful to me to kind of label activities as in and out. Um, this actually leads me right to my second role, which um, it says, if you were to picture on it, it would say obeying and saying yes to God. And what I'm hearing is, I will be with you. Uh, starting in the fall, uh, that was the time I was invited to be a Genesis elder. I felt many times when God has invited me to do something. And they're usually scary, overwhelming things to me. And I think that's why I remember them so distinctly. Um, so a few months ago, I shared my process of saying yes to the eldership and how I tried to say no a bunch of times. And I also shared a few weeks ago in testimony time about saying yes to host, hosting all my neighbors for an end of school year party at our yard a couple weeks ago. And that was such an out activity that I felt it in my body for a week after as I was trying to recover from that. And um, it felt like I was finally starting to feel recovered and safe when Bo asked if I would do this. <laughs> so um, it gave me something new to be stressed about. Uh, but actually, I think it gave me something new to trust God about. And I almost called Bo a week after agreeing to do it to ask him to let me off the hook because I felt like I couldn't do it. And my imposter was distracting me, and I just, I felt so anxious that I would remember, and I'd feel like a wave of stress, and I felt like I was drowning. But um, I was on the phone with my sister, and I was like, let me just run something by you before calling Bo. And firstly, she was like, gave me permission to back out. Um, but then as I told her kind of what I'd been hearing, she's like, I think you have something to share and I think you can do it. So here I am. Um, but after talking with her, I was reflecting and I realized that I could have said no to Bo, that this wasn't God testing me or testing my obedience, um, that he's not giving me a string of things to be stressed about because he wants me to live in constant stress. And it, even though it kind of feels like that, and I, like, I joke about it, like, I hope he doesn't ask me to do anything after this is over. Like, give me a day or two before he asks me to do the next thing. Um, but I don't think, I know that he's not wanting me to live in constant stress and that maybe he's teaching me to let it go. 
by doing it, uh, but it's very hard. Uh, Psalm 142.3 says, when my spirit grows faint within me, it is you who know my way. And that encouraged me a lot recently. So I'm hearing, I will be with you. And he's with me right now. And he's shown me he's with me through some of you even today. Um, one other thing that he's said to me with regard to this lately is um, don't miss the blessing. And uh, he told me that first when we were having some people over for dinner and I didn't know them. They were coworkers of Daniel's and I, I just was anxious about it because I didn't know how it was gonna go. And um, I heard him say, don't miss the blessing. Um, so it was just such an invitation and, and actually the stress left me when I like kind of released it. And it actually was such a blessing to have them in our home and they're brothers and sisters in Christ. And um, it was such a blessing. So I've been re reminded of that sometimes too in those times. Uh, so all of those things I've mentioned got, saying yes to God about were kind of out things, um, but I'm, my third role is kind of an in thing that I'm feeling like I need to say yes to him about. Um, so on this third role, it says, posture, attitude of learning. And I'm hearing, be willing to let go of incorrect pictures. And so I'll give you an example. Uh, I was challenged several months ago by a simple survey about God mending the world. I was asked what I thought about God mending the world through Jesus and what that looks like. And it's weird to think about now, but my first reaction was like a strong discomfort. And I felt like mending the world isn't God's first priority, rather forgiveness of sins and salvation through Jesus. And I thought about the Great Commission that Jesus gave his disciples right before he left, like go and make disciples. Um, and I think though that discomfort was speaking to me and I didn't let it sit there. So I like, I listened and I read and I reflected and I listened and I talked to people and um, my view has changed. And that's not about the, not about the importance of salvation, but about God's desire to mend and to heal, which I didn't fully appreciate before, and I'm sure I don't fully appreciate now. Um, and as I was reflecting, I realized that the, the faith tradition or the interpretation of the Bible that I had ra been raised in focused heavily on like our future hope of heaven. And they you know, would talk a lot about the verses of God creating a new heaven and a new earth um, so as I was thinking, I, no one said this, but it sort of felt like they were saying basically this earth is going to be thrown away. So like God gives us hope for after death where we can live with him forever. That's our main hope. So let's just kind of focus on that. But I, that single future hope is almost an excuse to not act now. I think it can be a, let me just stay here where it's safe sort of thing. Um, and when I looked, I did find a few verses about a new heaven and a new earth, but I was shocked at the number of verses about God wanting to give healing throughout the whole Bible. And I was in awe when I noticed how often forgiveness and healing were mentioned together, right together. And to me, that was like forgiveness, salvation, and healing. Um, so I'm just going to read you a few of those verses. Uh, Second Chronicles 7:14. This is often quoted. The first part of the verse is about like as a nation when we pray to God, but the ending part says, 
I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and heal their land. And in Matthew 10, 8, Jesus gave these instructions to his disciples as he sent them out. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, and cast out demons. Give as freely as you have received. So this healing and helping work is something he trained them to do from the beginning. Uh, if I just focus on the Great Commission, I'm missing part of this picture. Psalm 103, 2 through 4. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases. And my favorite was Psalm 41, 4. As for me, I said, O Lord, be gracious to me. Heal me, for I have sinned against you. And I realized that God doesn't want to just forgive our sins. He wants to heal us. And healing is now not some future legal standing where like, I've forgiven my sins, I'll be fine then. Healing is now. And forgiveness is an aspect of that healing. So this is just one example of an incorrect picture that God is asking me to let go of. And what he's given me in return is so much better. Uh, this role pairs nicely with my last one. Uh, the fourth role, what it would say on it is, God is bigger, mysterious. And I'm hearing, don't try to have all the answers. My brother-in-law went to Cedarville, a Christian university that I also attended, married my sister, taught Bible to Christian school for years, went to seminary, and now he works at the seminary. And he posted something that I didn't know I'd been feeling until I read it. He said something like, I used to think I had to defend the Bible, but now I'm just learning how to love people. And uh, the recent series that Bo and Nate did about sinners in the hand of a loving God hit me right where I was at with being challenged and letting go of incorrect pictures and realizing God is bigger and more mysterious than I could ever imagine or explain. And I think he's, it's like a very challenging feeling and scary to let go of some of the things that I feel that felt like they were giving my faith like some sort of structure. But, but I realized that trying to have all the answers about God is really relying on myself. And it's saying that my mind and my interpretation of the Bible can contain him. And that's just not the case. And... Um, I was reading Isaiah 55, and this verse was just there. Very familiar and very true. Verse 8, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. And earlier I shared about how I totally thought I understood God's priorities. Uh, I thought the main priority was salvation, not so much mending this broken world. But I'm so thankful that God didn't leave me there, but invited me to study and spoke to me through his word. And he showed me more about himself, and I realized, whoa, how much I don't know. So here's what I'm hearing from God right now, those four roles. I'm hearing, I made you exactly as you are on purpose. You give me delight. I see all the parts of you, even what you don't like. I will be with you. Be willing to let go of incorrect pictures. Don't try to have all the answers. So thanks so much for listening. Uh, as I share about the bread, God is giving, feeding me right now. And I'm going to end with one more piece of bread. Sorry, Nate. <laughs> He's standing up, but I have one more. Uh, at the beginning of the process of putting together this content, 
God gave me all these fun bread metaphors, and I, I was trained as a teacher, so I did the teachery thing, and I did like a concept map, and the roles had circles, and all the little things in between with lines, and, um, and it helped clarify my thinking, but it was also fun. And when I thought about this one thing that was connected to quite a few of the roles, uh, a picture appeared in my head of a huge loaf, like laughingly huge. And I wrote in my journal, like, I'll be eating this one for a while. <laughs> like, why is it so huge? And then I was talking to a friend and realized, oh, like maybe it's huge because I'm also supposed to share it. And so I'm throwing that out there as just an idea. So you already have most of the background, and the background is what he's been teaching me. It's God's love for me as he created me to be a bearer of his image. Uh, the background is being willing to let go of incorrect pictures and the need to explain everything. And the background is God being bigger and more mysterious. So when God loves me this big, I know that he loves everyone else this big too. It's nothing that I do that makes him love me, but who I am. He loves everyone because he made everyone and they bear his image. So here's the big loaf. I was laying in bed and I heard God saying in my head, listen, and to me that meant two things when I heard it. Um, listen to him is something I've been hearing, but also listen to people's stories. I feel like I've been hearing. Um, just listen to their stories. So he said, Listen and feel my love for people. Don't use my words to build barriers between me and people. And it made me think about God's intent for his words, specifically the Bible, and it gave me pause as I thought about how easily I can try to speak for God. Uh, but he's asking me to not speak, but to listen and feel his love for people and not to speak to for him in any way that makes someone feel there's a barrier for them to be with God. So I'll be eating this one for a while, as well as the rest of the bread in my bakery that God's given me. And I'll end with the verse that I started with. Psalm 105.1, give thanks to the Lord and proclaim his greatness. Let the whole world know what he has done. Thanks. How good was that? That was awesome. Uh, it was kind of like a fire hose, you know? You try to drink from it, and it's like, Wah! That was amazing. Um, hmm. So what is for you? There's, there's a lot in there. Uh, what's for you? There was definite invitation and permission. Um, there was definite challenge, so you could fall in one of those or both of those. Um, I saw so much head nodding when you were sharing about the HSP, highly sensitive persons. Um, perhaps you feel invitation to do some homework because you're gonna learn about yourself, you're gonna learn about that person that you've been struggling to understand. When Bonnie shared with me about HSP, immediately thought of my daughter Edith, and I was like, ah, oh, 
oh my gosh, that's why I don't get it. <laughs> I loved, I loved the posture of learning and of being able, we want to be a people that are always learning, that are lifetime students. And we do that by hearing people's stories. So, so much about who we want to be and what you, what you talked about. So what's for you this morning is my question. Let's, uh, let's just take a minute and reflect. So God, uh, in the silence, In the silence, we give permission for you to speak to us directly. And so, what do you have for us this morning? We lean in. And we ask for your spirit to arrest whatever is the imposter this morning. So the one who seeks to kill and still and destroy has no authority over us. And so in, in this moment, your word and your truth is what we desire. If you have a sense that God's saying something to you that is for us, there's freedom for you to share it. And you can make a swing and a miss, and that's okay. But if you think you've heard something that's for all of us, I would encourage you to share it. Good. Be gentle and loving and non judgmental. Do we agree that that's for us, church? Yeah. Freedom to take a swing and a miss. Does anybody want to share what they heard that they know is for them? That would also affirm and edify all of us. Say it again. Don't let my word be a barrier between me and my people. Awesome. 
Amy? Hmm. Forgiveness and healing, sharing space, holding hands. Anything else? All right, well, we offer elder prayer today. And so Dan is here, Bonnie's here, Ben is here, I'm here. We'll be up front. If there was something that Bonnie spoke to this morning, I would, and it resonated with you and you want prayer around a very specific thing, I would encourage you to take a step towards her because she, she stepped in with a specific authority this morning. I would say there's a door open there's an invitation around what she shared. So if any of those four roles um, were enticing to you or seemed familiar, um, that would take a step towards, towards Bonnie and let her um, pray for you and step into that with authority in her experience. Otherwise, the rest of us uh, elders that are here will be available for prayer. If you're not sticking around for prayer, um, go in peace, and we will uh, be back together next week. So, thank you. Come forward, uh, elders, to be available for prayer. Can you shut off the Facebook? <laughs>